So this is a perfect time to refuel with liquid courage. Oh yeah. Anyone can use a weapon, but the ninja is a weapon. Behold. Oh yeah. I mean this this podcast is just gonna write itself. It's gonna be it's gonna be fine. And then Jonathan Price is left to pick up the pieces of their poor acting. Of course I always liked Jonathan Price, Helen. I just kept waiting for Tomax and Zaymot to come and wipe out everyone. Oh yeah. Hello, this is Max and Jason watching movie. I'm Max. And I'm Jason, and today we will be reviewing G.I. Joe. Retaliation, released in 2013, directed by John M. Chu, starring DJ Patrona, Byung Hun Lee, Adrian Palicki, Ray Park, Jonathan Price, Ray Stevenson, Channing Tatum, in a special appearance, I suppose, Bruce Willis, and featuring Dwayne Johnson. This film is definitely something that you want to watch if you were wondering, man, I wonder where they're going to take Scarlet in this in, in this series. She was really interesting in the last movie. If you were like, man, I could use some more of that witty banter from that well-written witty banter from the first film between Ripcord and uh, Duke. You're probably wondering, oh, did, did did Ripcord and Scarlet ever get together? That's something that you're going to want to watch this movie to see how that's resolved. And, you know, all those dangling plot plot threads from the last film, you're going to want to watch it. We're going to want to watch it for this. Jason, take it away. This is... Uh, what, what do you have for us? When we did G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, is we neglected to point out in a bewildering fashion, it actually did well at the box office. And, and it did. And so the, um, that was 2009. This is now 2013. They wanted to make a sequel. Hasbro has spearheaded numerous Transformers movies that have been pretty successful to varying degrees. And there was the desire to make a G.I. Joe series. So I think that there was some dissatisfaction with the first film not sure why uh but um i didn't see the last episode yeah 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 right right there was um there was a thought that they wanted to make this film a reboot that they wanted to start over however the first film was successful it did pretty good box office um in both domestically and worldwide yep and so they couldn't decide if they wanted to do a sequel or if they wanted to do a reboot. And in my judgment, they kind of decided to do neither. Well, <laughs> I, I think in comic book uh, terms, we might call this a soft reboot. They tone down a lot of the goofy technology. They carry on some, some of the plot lines from the last movie. But they also must have listened to fans who were like, why don't you have like Joes we recognize in this movie? Now, that is true. That is definitely true. This film definitely correct some of the things that the previous film did. I'm not sure if it corrects them sufficiently. I no, I I, I no, I, I don't think that it, it ever ever does that. But it it does it does try a little harder. But there must have been some dissatisfaction at, at the top of the cast because only five members of the cast return. I earlier I was talking about how how we're all in how, how you'd want to watch this movie if you if you wanted to see the Scarlet resolve happen. But Scarlet doesn't return. The actress who plays Baron doesn't return the guy who plays cobra commander doesn't return who else doesn't return marlon wayans doesn't return as ripcord and that might have been a decision at, at the top but joseph gordon levitt and santa miller are are not small names you know these are people who you'd want to come have come back and i don't see any reason why they would cut those characters except maybe maybe they wanted to get rid of some characters and they didn't want to they just wanted to handle the, the dangling plot lines by just killing off some of the the cast from the previous movie or just not casting those characters in this film but but yeah, I, I got the sense that there was some dissatisfaction too. Yeah, and so there was a desire to kind of um, fix some of the problems. Now, you pointed out some of the things that they do fix, and, and, and they do fix those things. I think that the, the vehicle designs are better in this oh, movie. They have the Hiss tank. They have they have some Joe Jeeps. They have some, uh, you know, some cool stuff. But go on, sorry. They correct that. I think that they try for a little more uh, realism in terms kind of a, in terms of creating, you know, kind of presenting kind of a pair down yeah. uh, team. I also think that one of the things that we might not have touched on sufficiently in the, in our review of the first film is that for fans, even of the cartoon, but certainly of the comic, we don't really get a lot of the traditional Cobra stuff Yeah, in the first film. You know, we don't get the, um, uh, if you read the comic or, or even the cartoon, 
cartoon, you know, Cobra has this red symbol that is kind of stamped on everything. We don't get a lot of that in the first film, but we do get it in this one. Yes, yes. There's some uh, there's some production design things that this film definitely improves on. Yes, absolutely. You said that the last film was almost an unintentional G.I. Joe movie, like somebody had a script and they tried to shoehorn G.I. Joe stuff into it. But yeah. this, this film does seem like it's a much more intentionally trying to be a G.I. Joe film that, that fans will recognize. I mean, you talked about the vehicle design. Snake Eyes will drive the G.I. Joe dune buggy in this movie. We'll see the Cobra hovercraft in this movie. We'll see the Hiss tanks in this movie, which I, I, I as a fan, uh, even though I'm, you know, this, this film isn't a, 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 a smash, uh, I, I, was, I was happy to see them at least trying with the design. No, I, I I agree that the the production design in this movie is far superior. Yeah, but it's got to deal with the last script, <laughs> and it's it's since it's a soft reboot, it, it it it's it's already walking into the door with a lot of injuries. Which, uh, uh, yes, I think one of the mistakes of this of this film is the script writing team were kind of handicapped by the producers by being told we need to make a sequel, but we also want to depart yeah. the spirit of the original and I, I i actually think that this film makes two mistakes one it, it leans in too much to the film that preceded it which is a film that is not worth leaning into yeah but as a sequel it doesn't lean into it enough yeah, yeah, yeah it's a really bizarre problem that this movie has yes and those kinds of weird decisions litter the film yeah yeah i mean i i, I think i'm probably when i started watching this movie um i started off feeling a lot more positive about about it yeah the original because uh one of the things that i would have liked from the first film in fact i, I i'll say this when i first watched gi joe the rise of cobra one of my great disappointments is i felt like that the very first scene instead of being a flashback to 17th century france i would have liked to see the gi joe team introduced to us at the beginning of some covert mission yes 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 where we were introduced to their competence and to to the characters and their interplay with each other and this film does start out that way this film yes. we get like a little training mission or something like that right some kind of like training operation we get to see the new the new crew in this film plus duke operating and doing some kind of training mission right yeah well i mean they um they're in North Korea and they're looking for a defector. They have some new Joes. We got some new, uh, actually almost all new Joes. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson who plays Roadblock, um, who is in this film. He was not in the last one. No. We still have uh, Channing Tatum returns as Duke. Yes, yes, yes. He's in charge. And he's now in charge of the team. Um, of course, Snake Eyes is still there. Ray Park returns as, as Snake Eyes. Uh, we have uh, Lady J, uh, played by Poli uh, Adriana Palicki. We, we have a new Joe, Flint. We have, uh, who else do we have? We have a few, we're introduced to a few more people. They won't matter. <laughs> Um, there's a character named Mouse. Yes, yes. Who's a character I never, I don't remember at all from that. I don't remember either. Uh, now, we, um, the basic plot of this movie um, begins that there's these um, nuclear warheads that the Joes are sent into Pakistan. So before that, let me, let me, let me back up because this is, I want to, I want to kind of talk about something before you're getting a little ahead of the script. Uh the Joes res rescue the defector. Then we get, uh, I think, a little bit with Jonathan Price as the president speaking to people, but but talking about how the Joes are good. And it's either before that or after that, we get like the, the recap of the Nanite Wars. And we get like a bunch of stills that are on what look like code cards that you would have found on the back of the G.I. Joe toys. Right, right, yeah. As I was watching that, I was like, oh man, the film came really close to nailing a fan moment by doing these code cards. But instead of like doing something that fans would recognize, like the old images on the the toys. They had this really cool artwork on the toys and on the on the on the file cards that you would get with each toy. They don't duplicate those. So as a fan, you're almost like, are they trying to do that? But instead of putting them in like the positions that they the poses that they were in in those in those old paintings on their figure, you know, I, I think they could have had a really nice fan moment by like kind of duplicating that in a live action way. I mean it's a small thing 
I was like, oh, you know, you could have uh, you could have done that just a little better. But it does serve what you're talking about. Like it it introduces us to all the characters, and you know, it, they kind of run down the team. And I thought, well, that's a good that's a good thing. And but it came really close to being a great fan moment. But anyway, go on. Yeah. Uh, and so now they've got to find the nuclear weapons. You're right. So yeah, and so, and so they go to Pakistan. But um, of course, we the viewer, uh, those of us who saw the first film and who survived it, um, recognize that um, the president played by Jonathan Price uh, is is actually Zartan and he calls in a strike on the G.I. Joe team after they have uh, captured nuclear weapons yeah. are now you know at risk of being used by by terrorists I suppose and the Joe team is absolutely obliterated yes Terry strike now before this though I, I, I we're getting a little ahead of ourselves we have a lot of character building a character uh, where where we, we we get to learn what yeah. good friends roadblock and Duke are. They're like great buddies. They play video games together. They run and frolic in the park together. They're Duke, just best buddies. as kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which I think they have to do because they did not bring back Ripcord and they have to establish that very quickly that Duke and Roadblock are very close. Yeah. They do that okay. I mean, it's okay. I think, I don't think there's much chemistry between the... Uh, well, there isn't, well, there doesn't have to, there doesn't have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, like, like, I, I would like I would like to have seen something like uh, Riggs and Murtaugh or not with the pathos maybe but you know in the later films where they're really just clicking as partners or uh, or uh, Rhodey and Tony from Iron Man you know some fun kind of banter that I buy where the two leads have some really good chemistry John Wayne and uh, Dean Martin in you know what I mean no. I didn't I quite didn't right, but 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 I guess the problem here, uh, well, first of all, I mean, Channing Tatum was not a very good lead in the first movie, I don't think. No, no. But at the same time, like, okay, you weren't going to bring back Marlon Wayans, but maybe at least try to bring back Ripcord with a different actor so yeah. that you can have this relationship that is familiar to the viewer. Yeah that you can bring forward because there is a problem with emotional resonance Yeah, yeah. Uh, in some of the scenes. I, I mean, you're right about chemistry, but this is not necessarily poorly done. I mean, you know, Duke knows uh, Roadblock's kids. He's close to them. I guess he babysits them. You know, I mean, they they do, they use a lot of shorthand in some of those scenes uh, and they sell it in ways that the first film didn't sell anything. No, no. So, so it's, it wasn't very satisfying to me, but it is sort of important to what happens at after the after they get the nuclear missile and they show this was a this actually this film actually does do everything that you wanted the last film to do it establishes that the joes are great at what they do flint is a little bit of a hothead and he gets a little ahead but he's still good enough to get the mission done the, right. you know, all these people doing whatever it is that they're, they 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 succeed anyway uh snake eyes isn't with them and you know they they talk about that a little bit the roadblock says something about you know snake eyes is obviously on some other important mission you know i i trust him whatever he's doing you know he's he's not gonna he's not not here because he doesn't want to be he's you know taking care of business they succeed in getting these nuclear missiles for the president from whoever it is i can't remember they're in pakistan right because pakistan's collapsed uh this film was actually banned in pakistan i don't know if you know that because it no no i didn't know that so badly the president in the movie says pakistan is anarchy with a zip code or something like that oh the lead up to this though is jonathan price asking his cabinet should we should we what should we do should we go do something about these loose nuclear missiles and the cabinet is really terribly acted when when price says uh, when the president says what should we do and one of his cabinet men says you should wait and then the general says, "You should attack." And it's I I am not I, I maybe I'm even adding more emotion and nuance than than those than those actors did, but it is really bad. And then Jonathan Price is left to pick up the pieces of their poor acting and rescue the scene. And Jonathan Price, I I kind of like him a lot in this movie. I think he's, yeah. he's a lot of fun. <laughs> He's actually a lot of fun in this movie, but he does. He says, "Well, I'm not going to be the president who did, who who just waited. Send in the Joes. Get me those missiles." And uh, the Joes comply. But then they get attacked by U.S. military. Later on, this will be rationalized by the president. The Joes were going to try and use the nuclear missiles for their own agenda. Yeah, and, uh, they get annihilated. Go ahead and walk us through that scene. I didn't mean to. Oh no, uh, um, they are attacked 
virtually all killed except for the principal actors in this film. Duke, Duke, Duke saves Flint, and, but is killed in the process in what is supposed to be an emotionally impactful scene and really isn't. But that's but to be fair, that's probably more of a reflection on the first film. Yeah. Channing Tatum's bad, bad performance in that film than on this film. But uh, Flint, Lady J, Roadblock. That's uh, it. That's it. That's the only people who survive there. The Snake Eyes isn't with them. Oh, no. That, that's that's right. Now, I, I in the previous podcast, I said I would bring up Jason's nemesis, the 1987 G.I. Joe the movie. And it's strange that this film actually does fan service sort of well. In that movie, Duke gets horribly injured saving Flint from one of Serpentor's snake spears and uh, he's almost killed um, and in fact if you see the injury in the movie you're like well that's it for Duke because because the snake spear goes right through his chest and it's pretty yeah. pretty grisly but at the end of it he's like hey I'm all better <laughs> I thought it would have been funny if we would have had that moment at the end of this movie because it would be pretty shocking if he had popped back up and basically pulled a Michael Caine from Jaws 4. How'd you get here? Wasn't easy. But anyway, I think that that was a nod to the 1987 movie. Oh, okay. Anyway, Flint never takes center stage like he does in the comic book. Uh, uh, not in the comic book, but in the cartoon. Because in the cartoon, he and Lady J actually were quite popular characters in the cartoon. Roadblock was, was popular, but he was never central to any any episode because I think that would have provided a nightmare for the writers. Do you remember why that would have been a nightmare for the writers to have Roadblock be the center of any episode of the old cartoon? Oh, because, because he's a machine gunner? Nope, because he rhymed every time he spoke. Oh, I'd forgotten that. You're right. Now, could you imagine trying to set him as the central character if 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 the if you're unwilling to part from the gimmick that he has to rhyme everything? Right. I don't think I don't think Dwayne Johnson ever rhymes anything in this film. It would have been a nice no. moment. Were you looking for it? Were you like, did he did he rhyme something? No, because I because I'd forgotten that. Okay. Now that you mention it, I remember that. I had forgotten that. But Dwayne Johnson, I mean, um, I think that it was a good choice to pick him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just because I mean he's very recognizable, he is a good actor. Yeah. You know, I mean, in terms of a lead in an action movie, I think that that he was a good choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they all jump down a well and um, they survive. The other Joes are all killed, which to me was a little problematic. Mm -hmm. Actually, so in the first film, we get a lot of faceless Joes. We see the pit. We get the sense that there's this anti-terrorist team. Then in this film, all the Joes are killed. Yeah, yeah. And you basically have three survivors survivors as you said snake eyes isn't there and you you get three survivors and uh it was pretty cool you know how they escaped the the well by you know putting their backs to each other and yeah you know, i mean i i i like that and i guess just uh compared to the review that we just did i've probably already said you know more things that i liked about this movie than i did about the previous one yeah but, but, but I mean, that was pretty cool. But at the same time, I guess I almost have to criticize this even as a reboot. Okay, we didn't like the first film. Let's forget that it happened. And then we have this film in which the G.I. Joe team is all gone. They're all dead. Yeah. We have a, you know, a handful of survivors, you know, trying to uh, do something amongst the ashes of the, of the end of the team. And that that was a bizarre decision for not only a second sequel, but a film that for half of the way is actually trying to restart the series. Yeah. In other words, to try to be maybe even a, a, a pseudo first film or a redo. Read today that they were, they, they were kind of uh, modeling the new film on that show that I recommended at the end of the, at the end of the last podcast, which was called G.I. Joe Renegade. Renegade. Yeah. And basically what that show did was it turned the Joes basically into the A-team. Accused of a crime they didn't commit. A ragtag band of fugitives fights a covert battle to clear their names and expose the insidious enemy that is Cobra. Some call them outlaws. Some call them heroes. But these determined men and women think of themselves only as ordinary Joes. But anyway, this film kind of borrows a little bit of that Heroes on the Run, but it kind of leaned into that a bit. I, I see your point about 
being a little strange to wipe everybody out like that. It's oh, but see, I see your point. You know, in, in talking about the plot of the of the show you're talking about, I can see where that would be really compelling. Yeah. At the same time, it's a bit early for that. Or, or, or maybe I even would want to say that you know that would have made a good television show. Yeah. yeah. And, and and actually, I think one of the conclusions that, and I'll just kind of reveal this now in watching both these movies, both the one that we did in the previous episode and then this one, both these films do lean a bit into Larry Hama's material, but not enough. Yeah. And I also think that part of the problem with the execution is not just the fact that it's done incompetently, which it is, but also a lot of what Larry Hama did needed to be cooked a bit in a slow cooker. Yeah. And it's very difficult to do in a two-hour film. Uh, It still could have been done better, but I... I'm almost coming to the conclusion that G.I. Joe, if it's to be done right, especially because it's an ensemble piece, needs to be done in a, a television format. That might be right. I, I think that might be right. Um, you do kind of want to play these these stories out, and it's hard to get all that nuance out in two-hour movie. So you're you're left trying to cram a bunch of stuff in without really having time to do it. This this one is much more successful than the last one. It, it's 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 imperfect, but no, you. Might you're right about that. So the other thing that happens, and I only caught this recently, I, I missed it like the first couple times I've watched the movie. Snake Eyes allegedly assassinated some foreign leader. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it the is it the president of uh, Pakistan or is it I can't remember what who he's who he's blamed for killing? But yeah. it, is, it is somebody. And so that's another mark against the Joes. Oh, now I remember. So after the Joes go on the run, they're trying to find their way out of the desert. Why don't they go to the old base? It's it's got to be nearby in Egypt. Right, right. But but very much like the Jedi Order, the Joes have been wiped out. I think the next vignette is Snake Eyes being taken to the German prison, isn't it? No, I think you're right. Because, yeah, because... Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, before that, before that, I'm sorry, let me but let me back up a little bit. Before that, Jonathan Price is arguing with Jonathan Price. And uh, they had the, the... So Zartan has become the president. Zartan needs the president to tell him where Cobra Commander and Destro are. What prison are they in? And I thought this was just just completely dumb. Jonathan, Zartan is the president of the United States. If they are, if, if Zartan and Destro are imprisoned in the United States, the president has access to that that knowledge. He could he could access those records very easily without yeah. having to access, without, without having to ask the real president where they are. But somebody else would know. Absolutely. And he could ask anybody. He's like, uh, he could, you know, there's a lot of stuff on his table. He could just say, hey, I would like to go see, I would like to go interview Destro and Zartan, and somebody would take him to the place where they're at, or they would say, "Hey, we can't take you there." It's a, it's, and they would say the name of the prison. But he doesn't need to go to any extra trouble to to get this information. He's the president, and so I just thought, well, that's just stupid. That leads us to a later vignette where, not much later, where Snake Eyes is being taken to the to a prison in Germany that's so deep below Germany that it actually leaves Germany and it becomes international space, and that allows the warden to commit all kinds of human rights violations, apparently. This scene really infuriated me. So they've got Snake Eyes all trussed up like he's Hannibal Lecter. And when I saw the trailer for this, I thought maybe Cobra had caught him. And I thought, well, this kind of, might, might be kind of fun. But he's been caught and he's been taken to a prison. I can assume that he hasn't had due process because he, he's still in his outfit. But why on earth would, why was he wearing his mask? Why was he wearing his, his combat gear at all? <laughs> I was, They would have taken that off at the beginning. And the only reason why they didn't was because they they wanted to have this reveal when they took the mask off, when the warden takes his mask off, and it's not Snake Eyes. It's right. Storm Shadow. And I was just like, well, that's another buffoonish writing, you know? If Snake Eyes has been caught and he's being held, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to take away his, his yeah. batarangs and his mask and stuff. And I just thought, oh, God, that's just so bad. And the whole thing that, that they were trying to do was to get Storm Shadow into the prison where Destro and Zartan, I'm sorry, Destro and Cobra Commander and so Walter Groggins is a great actor. He plays the warden of the prison who doesn't have a German accent, but he's working at some prison in Germany. But maybe it's a U.S. prison. I don't know. Uh, that's on like a military base or something. Who knows? Then why would it matter if it was below German soil? I, I mean, can you be below German soil? Like if it's below the sovereign borders of Germany, is there some depth at which countries can no longer be countries? Anyway. Uh, oh, Earth. I think you'd have to... <laughs> 
this is going to cross over with the kaiju movies but but anyway so but the the warden says to storm shadow look we're going to load you up with all these things you'll be conscious and you'll see everything that's going on but you won't be able to move a single muscle you won't be able to exercise any control of your body after we after we put you in this treatment i i have a point didn't storm shadow die in the first movie i mean it looked it looked pretty bad didn't snake eyes impale him i think he gets stabbed that's what I remember. Um, but maybe it just missed all of his vital organs. Anyway, but he's back, Jason. He's back. So maybe we're, we're going to learn why he's back because he violates the laws of biology because he goes into this tank and then he, despite the drugs they've given, despite the fact that he's in a, this solution that limits everything, he immediately exercises control over his body that we've just established he shouldn't be able to do. Right. So, so maybe being stabbed through the heart, lungs, and liver just wouldn't stop a guy like this because he just is immune to all of it but he he drops his heart enough that it fools the the all of the high-tech devices that monitor this guy the the life signs in the tank they think he's dying and so they all all of the medical staff rush to get him out of the tank and this is when they realize they're in deep trouble because storm shadow is okay he's a-okay at the same time, we get a bunch of like mechanical fireflies outside the prison and uh, they're explosive and uh, they are the hallmark of a character that I liked a lot in the comic book uh, and did not like in this movie. Firefly. Firefly did not have drone robot fireflies in the comic book. He was just an excellent saboteur. He also didn't have a motorcycle that could disassemble into various rocket propelled bombs. Uh, so anyway, so as, as Storm Shadow is breaking Cobra Commander and possibly Destro out of out of the out of the clink. Firefly, this other Cobra operative, uh, is engineering their escape route by breaking into the prison. And he sends an, an army of robot fireflies at the prison. It blows up various people. Folks, if you're if you're students of Mythbusters, you know, you know they could not pack enough explosive in these little fireflies to, to create even a fraction of the explosion that is created by these by these these little creatures uh but they go in and like one of these little like two or three centimeter things to uh, would blow a person to smithereens one of these little fireflies but they blow their way into the into the gates but that just gets firefly through the gates and he does a jump on his motorcycle with one of those invisible ramps that sometimes hop pop up in action movies and he leaps off the bike and the bike like a transformer breaks into eight different segments and rockets into the uh base and blows a hole in the door and they rescue Cobra Commander and they leave Destro behind which is sort of an which is sort of an old thing that happened in the comic in the cartoon anyway Destro and Cobra Commander did not get along but but this is all dumb like yeah you're off the team Destro yes 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 like why did they even bother to do that yeah I mean uh, if they were gonna if they were gonna do that why didn't he say you're off the team Destro you know like why, why don't you lean into the goofiness and melodrama of the cartoon if you're gonna do that but they they rescue him as they're leaving storm shadow gets badly injured yeah and and cobra commander has him sent to the place where they heal the bad injuries which is on the set of batman begins in the himalayas which i thought they were leaning into that a lot this sequence is where the movie started to lose me a little bit okay uh because i i i felt like that it started kind of moving ahead a little bit too swiftly yeah yeah i thought that to this point despite my complaints the film had kind of escaped from a lot of the sins of the first movie yeah and 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 i think here it, it it immerses itself right back into them well so 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 there's another thing that we haven't mentioned and and uh, this might be a flashback moment but we get introduced to a character that i liked a lot as growing up named jinx and she was another one of these ninja from the rashikagi clan and she's about to take a test to see if she can be a member of the joes why uh, a clan of japanese ninjas should be basically you know uh the HR for the G.I. Joe squad is beyond me. But the other thing that really, really chapped my ass is that they had the RZA be the blind master, soft master. And, and it's not that I mind crazy casting or whatever, but like, I don't know why you would, would put a, put, put a rapper in this 
part for a Japanese person where where you're really supposed to be leaning into this Hama-esque storyline about Japanese ninjas. I was really happy too that they put like a, they did give us a, a title card that said Tokyo, Japan because you couldn't tell it was you could all you could tell about the their establishing shot. Well, they're in a big city. Where is it? I don't know because it, it's like in the evening and they don't show a single thing that would tell you that you were in Japan without showing you like Tokyo, Japan. Yeah, a title card. I mean, I would have I would have liked some like street level moving through the city to kind of see like you know the 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 writing on on street signs and stuff like that to really give you a a, a nice establishing shot. Uh, then then you could pan up to the Arashikagi Tokyo City headquarters. So so you're believing that that's supposed to be the soft master? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also blind. I know he's blind in this movie. Which, but in the comic, the soft master and the hard master were siblings but i just don't know why i didn't know why you would do that like there's a moment where where she's about where uh, the actress uh who plays jinx has to do a test and if snake eyes can get one of the hairs off her head you know then she doesn't she fails the test and she doesn't get to be a gi joe member okay that doesn't make a lot of sense to me but okay whatever uh joe's have their own their own testing procedures that's all right but i would have at least liked to have had an actor if you were going to have it be a non-japanese actor somebody who spoke near native Japanese but when he tries to say begin in Japanese he butchers it it doesn't sound like hajime uh, at all I don't even know what the fuck he says I rewound it a couple times and like what are you saying Riza and I, I like him fine but I just thought it was a bad choice for this movie especially like to me too I, I'm thinking in terms of like representation in terms of Asian representation in in I mean this is an Asian character you know what I mean this is a Japanese character that they that they've decided to do a stunt casting with and I just didn't understand why that was the case did, did that bother you at all did you were you like why is it why is this the soft master no no I I absolutely I I I definitely felt that way yeah now if they would have if they would have restructured the this ninja clan and say and went out of their way to say this is a forward thinking kind of organization that has been recruiting for years from all over the world then i think you could have gotten away with something but, but like this is supposed to be a japanese ninja clan you know i yeah, yeah and so you know this is an echo of the same problem of the first movie where you have a situation where there are choices that could have been sold yeah, yeah. to the viewer but no attempt is made to do so and so, so we kind of have no choice but to kind of reject it i think yeah i mean I, I that's where i came out like like i i i actually read that the director uses a lot of uh i think different rap artists in his soundtracks a lot and right. and he might be friends with a, a, a lot of the uh, a lot of rap artists and maybe he just wants to put some friends of his in the movie or something like that you know i know that the person who was supposed to play uh roadblock was common i think that's the rapper's name common i might, I might cut this out if it's wrong i'll double check before i post this episode but but that's all that's good i mean i don't i don't mind any of that but like if you're gonna go so far against source material then i think you have to justify it with some better writing yes and because it's not like with the kingpin in the daredevil movie a few years ago where it was a uh, michael clark duncan i always get his name jumbled did i get it right that time i think so where all you require is a big person who looks capable that can be doesn't matter who it is but like we have this established Japanese character. So I was just, I was a little baffled by that choice. And I was baffled by the, the boringness of this, this training session between Snake Eyes and Jinx. Well, I'd be baffled at this point. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. But she yeah. doesn't, she doesn't pass the test. He gets one of her hairs. So that's the flashback. Cut back to, uh, to the escape of Cobra Commander and the team. Storm Shadow gets hurt and Cobra Commander says, take him to the place where they heal the stuff. And Snake Eyes is about to try and take him out. Right. And Jinx pops up and says, I want to help. And so Snake Eyes doesn't do what he was going to do. They all fly away to their separate places. And the next vignette is, is the Himalaya scene where Snake Eyes and Jinx are going to go try and capture Storm Shadow while he's injured. And Which is probably the central action beat of the movie. It was shot in New Orleans. I, I read this today. And it took three months to film. Wow. I wanted to like it. It kind of had a, like a nice James Bond feel. But it just didn't interest me that much. I, I agree with you. And I, I asked myself why that was the case. And I come back to what I was saying. Snake Eyes, and, and even though visually Snake Eyes is better in this movie than in the previous one. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have the rubber lips. Yeah, that, right, that should be said. But at the same time, neither of these movies really are able to sell Snake Eyes 
recognize as the emotionally resonant character that he is in the comic. Yeah. And the only reason I don't want to come down too hard at this moment is that I'm not quite sure what they could have done better, though. Yeah. That's why I have come to the conclusion that G.I. Joe needs to be a, a series. Okay. Well, they could have they could have leaned more into the way he communicated with people. He doesn't get to do much communicating with people. Like we could have seen some sign language. We could have seen some uh, or like some kind of text stuff that he might do. You know, yeah. all he does is nod. Yes, I could see that. But I also feel like that the thing that's missing, we have this man that cannot talk. We cannot see his face. Yeah. If we have had a lot of time to get to know him. Yeah maybe through exposition from others talking about him, maybe just seeing him in action, then this scene becomes a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like, because I, I agree with you in terms of your uh, response to the scene and, and just in asking myself, why isn't this working? Mm-hmm. And the conclusion that came to me was, well, Snake Eyes is an amazing idea for a character, yeah. but this series has not sold that yet. Well, we don't even know necessarily why he wants to capture Storm Shadow in this moment, you know? I That occurred to me too. I was thinking, okay, why is Snake Eyes on this mission? What the hell's going on? Why yeah. we need storm shadow can somebody explain that is one of the reasons why it would have been nice to have had him signing at storm shadow like you killed you killed our master you right you have to come with me now or you know you know and you've and you've become this bad person we needed some interaction with those two and like you could have had snake eyes signing and being angry and ag and and gesturing and you could have had subtitles and audiences would have been cool with that and one of the things that we do see in this film is the actor who plays storm shadow we see that he's actually a good actor and it would have been it would have added a lot of emotional resonance if they just like said hey if they would have had a moment where snake eyes accuses him of something or or states why he's after him or right right anything like that would have worked but instead they sort of jump right into the action storm shadow realizes he's in trouble because some of his ninja guard are getting bounced around and killed because his hospital is on the most precarious spot it can possibly be on a cliff in the himalayas and like some of the action beats would have been better if we had some emotional connection to snake eyes yeah that 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 was my feeling as well because some of the stuff is really cool the zip lining all over the place we we we, as a fan we get like two different jinx costumes and when we first meet her she's in the red costume which is how she appeared in the original figure and in the gi joe the movie 1987 jason's favorite movie because jason was a real big fan of And 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 Jason was a huge fan of Burgess Meredith's final performance in film, G.I. Joe, the movie, 1987. See it, everybody. <laughs> so there's some nice fan service, but it's not none of it's resonating with us emotionally, I don't think. You know, I've, Jason's still busted up about my deep knowledge of G.I. Joe, 1987. Was a man. <laughs> Oh God! I, I see. I don't like to think about that movie. You know. You know why I like to think about that movie? Serpentor is the character that Jason and I despised after after that. And Serpentor was a figure that Hasbro introduced with this movie, along with a lot of other characters, giant cobra base uh, of toys. But Larry Hama killed off Serpentor two issues after he introduced him. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I like to think of the 1987 movie because it it, it gave us Larry Hama quickly dispensing with toy characters that he did not want to deal with that's stupid i'll kill that character off and i just like that but anyway where was serpentor in this movie i don't know but jinx and uh snake eyes successfully captures um storm shadow storm shadow sorry sorry everybody and they take him back to tokyo japan and where where storm shadow stands trial Because Storm Shadow knows all of the secrets that Cobra's up to. They know he knows exactly their plan, and he better tell him, uh, or they'll kill him because he did kill the Hard Master. Right. And actually, I, I, I'm beating up on the movie a little bit here, but I actually thought this was the best acting in the movie, where where Storm Shadow snaps on them and 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 kind of blames them for who he's become. He's like, you know, I didn't kill the Hard Master. I've been on the run, I and mean, I, I I don't owe any allegiance to you guys who thought I could possibly. Kill 
kill the hard master. You know, you are my friends. You, it's a great, I, I think it's actually a good scene. And I think that the actor uh, who plays Storm Shadow does a really good job in conveying kind of how angry and hurt he was that anybody would believe that, that he could kill the hard master. In everybody else's defense, having seen the flashback scene, it doesn't look good. I mean, Storm Shadow needs to look at that flashback scene to see why all of his friends think that he did it. But then they're like, no, your sword was sticking in him. And then Storm Shadow is like, that's not my sword. And he swings his sword at Snake Eyes and their swords clash and the, the sword breaks. And he's like, our swords don't break. Our swords don't break. Right. And, and then they're all like, ooh, well, that's a, that might be a good case. I don't know if that's solid for instance. It causes everybody to kind of have some questions about things. And then they sort of backtrack and figure out that, uh, that the guy in the rubber mask wasn't really his friend. The guy who took him in wasn't really a Japanese guy, but really... It was exactly what he looked like, a guy in a rubber mask. Yeah. But who turned out to be Zartan. Zartan, uh, Zartan killed the hard master and basically tricked Storm Shadow into coming to join up with Cobra because he knew he would be a, a good asset. Yep. And, and and that was true in the comic as well. Was, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I thought that was I thought that was it was almost pretty well done. You know, it was almost well done. Almost came really close, but it was a little too easy the way they figured out it was Zartan. And I thought, ah, oh, gosh, I would have liked to have seen that paid out a little bit more. I I I would repeat what I've said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. Hammer's story requires, at bare minimum, a, a, like a miniseries. I think that that's right. I think that that's right. Um, but anyway, they figure out it was Zartan who who killed the Hardmaster and tricked Storm Shadow. And so Storm Shadow, they're like the the ninjas and the uh, Joes are like, we can get in with you, Storm Shadow. You can get close to Cobra because they still think you're with them. So then that. So then so, shortly after that, Jinx and Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes all link up with the other joes who have by this point lady J has discovered that the president is not president yes yes by some subtle language analysis which could have been more interesting than it was in this uh but again it was a little too neat a little too tidy we've also been introduced to joe mcpaycheck uh the general played by bruce willis <laughs> this is all dumb yeah while, while the snake eyes and the ninja stuff is going on uh uh the joes are trying to figure out if the president's really the president or if it's somebody else and they know a guy the guy who they're all named after general joe colton played by the comparable bruce willis i don't think bruce willis is actually terrible in this movie he's just not great he's doing bruce willis low-key bruce willis that okay but that's all the role really calls for yeah, it is it's true it's true he doesn't think that they're bad people. He doesn't think they're bad guys. He doesn't think they're guilty of what they're accused of doing. He, for some reason, keeps calling Lady J Brenda. Does that ever get resolved? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, It's a bewildering line. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't understand that. By the way, just a little aside here. Yeah. Our Dwayne The Rock Johnson centered team defers a lot to him in these yeah. moments. The Rock, I mean, it, it, to Roadblock, but that's not how it should have gone because the ranking officer is Lieutenant Lady J. And Roblox is just a sergeant. Flint, I don't even know what the fuck he is. But, but like Lady J should have been in charge of the missions. I think that would have been a lot more interesting, actually. How cool would it have been to just kind of follow the military chain of command and if like Roblox would say, Well, what do we do, Lieutenant? And yeah. that would have been I think that would have been more interesting. So they they go to him and some for some reason General McCall, I'm sorry, General McPaycheck, General I'm sorry, Joe, Joe Colton gets them into a uh, or gets Lady J into a, a high-end uh fund raiser function at the white house and she she infiltrates gets some information she gets some dna from uh not that way audience she doesn't get dna from the president the way you're thinking but she dances with him a little bit and she has a close call and she gets out but is there anything you want to say about this scene it's all pretty functory yeah, it's, um, it's very much a cliched scene yeah no doubt about it but it's also it, it, it doesn't really deliver uh adrienne paliki is, is um looks marvelous yeah. She, she's, um, I think she's good in the scene. Yeah. But I don't think that the scene is directed well. I, I don't think that it actually gives us the, the tension. As you say, there's the near misses where she almost gets caught. And there are just, there are a lot of other movies that do this better. I would have liked to have seen her trade craft a little bit and how she got out. I think that might have been interesting, but I, I don't mind the slipping away, but it's something we have seen in other movies, you yeah. know? And then Roadblock uh, decides he's going to take the president out, the, the fake president president out and as he's getting ready to shoot the president they're all trying to talk him out of it 
it. No, you can't do that. You know, it's 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 not the you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get killed and yada, yada, yada. And this will have a dramatic payoff later on when The Rock will declare his reasons for trying to end the whole thing right there. Instead, he gets attacked by a fleet of robot fireflies and gets attacked by a uh, Firefly, the saboteur. Um, and it's, I mean, it's almost an interesting fight, but it's badly lit. The camera's too close to them. And this is the, this is the, the dark, this is the Empire Strikes Back section of the movie where it goes badly for the heroes. And Dwayne the Rock, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, Roadblock loses the fight and he's about to get killed. And the, Ray Stevenson is a good actor. Um, I like him in a lot of things. He plays Firefly. Uh, he played Volkstag in the Thor movies. Yeah. And I like it. He played Punisher in a, a pretty good Marvel movie called Punisher Warzone. I, I like him in a lot, but they're really trying to make Firefly uh, into some kind of like iconic character in this film. Like they're really trying to give him a personality and I, I, it just doesn't work for me, his, his bad guy. He's about to kill The Rock and then Adriana Palicki, and, I'm sorry, uh, Lady J and Flint run him over in an impact that should have meant that Firefly's role in the film was over. Yeah. They hit him so hard. Like, I'm sorry, that's that guy's dead. And he should have been, right? But uh, somehow, <laughs> she has a flesh wound and he stumbles uh, to his motorcycle and, and, and rides away before, uh, you know, before they run him over again. I mean, he flips up into the air like 15 or 20 feet after they hit him. Right. They save Roadblock. They have a little emotional moment at Roadblock's old gym. And Roadblock uh, says, look, I didn't want to see any more Joes die. And uh, it's, not du- it's not Dwayne the Rock Johnson's Academy uh, moment. They all have a little emotional moment. There's a really weird scene where uh, they almost do a little... Uh, oogling of lady j and i'm not i'm not i'm not averse to seeing attractive people on screen or or having characters that sometimes steal glances at other people i mean i I think that that all seems fairly realistic but but like i don't know it doesn't seem like it works in this movie it seems like an unnecessary shot of her standing around in her underwear you know like yeah because but but i think this film kind of gets into that territory a bit like uh uh gi joe the rise of cobra i kind of talked about it being kind of a fan fiction yeah this movie at its worst is is more like a direct-to-video that's absolutely right yeah but so so to me it was just like ah gosh is this is this does this moment work in this film i think if she was gonna be changing clothes out of her out out of her formal wear right there in front of flint i think that she would have just been a lot more casual about it like you get get that and then she would have very immediately zipped into her new outfit and not really cared and yeah maybe flint would have been like trying to be as professional that might have been a funny scene of a flint trying to be as professional as she was obviously being right but instead you know she lingers in the room uh and he's trying to be core and i just like they hadn't established that there was any kind of relationship with them or you know what i mean it just didn't work for me that that oh, yeah. and 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 do they do that afterward not really i don't think do they i don't think they do and no, they, they have a nice little friend moment where she talks about how her dad didn't want her to she's like fourth generation military and he didn't want her to be a soldier they have a lot of like weird uh gremlins two moments in this movie where where we get like some uh sad backstory for people no but you know i mean in that moment they do do lady j better than they did scarlet in the first movie without doubt yeah we kind of went over that about how there's no reason what why scarlet is this this physics expert that has become a a crossbow military expert yes whereas lady j is at least given a motivation yes yes that makes sense i mean it's a weird scene where she's describing her motivation standing around in her thong but yeah she's given a motivation and then that's when the uh, roadblock comes back in and says all right look guys i said we got to clean some guns and so they they're cleaning the guns when storm shadow and snake eyes and and jinx appear very uninja like by the way like right. they just like come thumping in the room even roadblock hears them and roadblock having handled so much heavy artillery has to have hearing like mine, but he still hears these like ninja, uh, you know, clomping into the room. There's a little tension because storm shadows with them, but it's, it's not it again, you know, it's, 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 that's not terrible in this, in the scene, but yeah, this guy who's killed a bunch of GI Joe Joe's over the years, he's with us. So they lay out the plan. They somehow get general, uh, McPaycheck involved. And he's going to, and here's another moment where they could have done a little more fan service because he says, you know, I'll help you, but I'm 
gonna I'll call some friends of mine in and they could have got like some old Joes like they could have yeah. put like a they could have in you know you could have put any Joe you wanted in there I did read that Sergeant Slaughter was slated to appear in the movie yeah and uh, but he couldn't because there were some rights issues and so he, he was going to be unable to appear so that leads us into the the final act right the, there's a nuclear there's a the president Jonathan Price. I, I do like him in this movie, but he's he's organized a summit to get rid of all the nuclear weapons in the world. Yeah. And this is a good scene for Jonathan Price. He does this scene really well. There are a lot of leaders in this room, but only one leader of the free world. And he, I, stay with me, ask you here with the goal of universal disarmament, nuclear zero. Now, I was prepared to cajole to get what I want. I'm now a threat. Each of you will clear out his nuclear closet immediately. Failure to participate will be considered an act of war. You're joking, of course. This summit is over. And this is it. This is it, boys. This country is at war. With you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. The U.S. nuclear arsenal is capable of destroying each of the countries 14 times over. 15 in the case of North Korea, just to be sure. And all... At the push... Of a button. <laughs> the North Korean diplomat kind of does that. Why are you singling me out? Thing, which is kind of funny. But then uh, the president uh, launches his nuclear missiles at everybody, and then everybody gets into this launching their nuclear missiles at each other, and they're in the like war room uh, from uh, Doctor Strangelove, I think. Uh, that is very subtle, but absolutely the production design um, because because it's kind of in the background. Yeah, uh, they don't beat us over the head with it. It, it. It's almost like a oh, by the way, maybe it's not terrible, but 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 then. Jonathan Price does a really good job of chewing through the scenery. They're watching all the satellite images of the nuclear missiles going to their targets. And he's like, uh, gosh, well, at least we won't have to do a climate summit next year. But he says, unless, what if somebody were to dis, uh, to, to destroy their nuclear missiles, to disengage them, to destroy them? And he destroys the U.S. nuclear missiles and it causes everybody else to destroy theirs too. And so presumably most of the world's nuclear arsenal is now gone. Right. And that allows him to introduce a new weapon, which is, I can't remember what it's called, but I learned this today too. This was actually a proposed design for a space-based weapon. Uh, this is a legitimate idea. What it is is, is a giant, heavy spear-like object. I think it's in this. I think in this movie they say it's made of tungsten. But anyway, as the dinosaurs learned, all you really need is a sufficiently large object to hit the Earth, and that, that's quite a. You don't need a propulsion. You can let gravity do a lot of work if if an object is massive enough and moving fast enough. He destroys London pretty spectacularly, I believe. Yes, he does. I was actually a little shocking. I was a little shocked when he went through with destroying London. Yeah, I know my wife has a lot of fond memories of being on the eye which is that giant ferris wheel and that's yeah yeah a while before that gets repaired in this universe well not just that <laughs> the rest of them yeah big ben saint paul's like i think they're gone yeah, yeah yeah and basically and that's when the cobra commander enters and makes some demands of the world of total allegiance now uh cobra commander in is done better in this movie he is he is i i, I actually appreciate the attempt to kind of give us the Cobra Commander from the comic and the cartoon. Well, the design is nice and it, it does it does do a lot of work to, to homage its its source material. Everything's looking pretty good for Cobra, but at that moment the Joes are back in action and they, they save the day at the end of the movie. They end by. But no, so so they, they all have a they have a lot of weapons. They're all it was kind of nice. I have to say this. I have to say this. It was nice to see Snake Eyes using the Uzis. Yeah. Because folks the original Snake Eyes figure and every iteration of the figure had an Uzi, but yeah. the first one had uh, an Uzi in the traditional commando outfit. It was just nice to see him using those in the and Jinx, yeah. Jinx used them too. It was kind of cool. But anyway, they all get they all get kitted out with their weapons and and this is a pretty standard action climax. We kind of know. I mean, if we're watching this, we kind of know that they saved the day. But is there anything you want to highlight as good or bad or anything that you thought? Could have been better. Could it was didn't live up to what you wanted it to. No, I, what do you think I, about this? I actually like what you said. Joe saved the day. It's over. 
It was okay. It was okay. Yeah, it was okay. It's not that it didn't work, but it, it didn't blow me away either. No. One of the things that you talked about earlier, and, I, and I, I guess I'll highlight this, production design really pays off in this moment. We get yeah. some classical G.I. Joe hardware in this scene. We get the Hiss tanks, which were these kind of cool looking tanks. Yeah. And like a, I, I can't even, they had, they had a weird tread design. I, it was just really cool. They were always, I thought they were really cool when I was a kid. I thought the the updated, more realistic versions were really cool. We get a cool hovercraft that you know spills right off the the pages of GI Joe comic books, or or right out of the toys. And in part because all these things were based on like actual real, not the Cobra stuff, but a lot of the other material was like based on real world technology. Right. Duke has a not Duke. Um, Duke's been dead for most yeah, of the uh, Duke's dead, baby. Roblox tank is really cool. The way it just kind of, kind of like flies around. It's really fast and agile. And yeah. It looked like a it looked like a practical effect. That was something that that this movie that this scene made me really happy about. That just about everything looks like it's a practical effect, whereas in the last movie it's all bad CGI. Yes, bad CGI with bad rec physics, bad physics. This film doesn't fall into that trap because it looks like it's mostly practical effects, a real vehicle yeah. moving through real space, and most of the stunt work is real people moving through real space. So, so, so the film works in that level. <clears throat> There's kind of a silly gunfire fight at the end between Roadblock and Firefly yeah. that you could only describe as gun foo. I mean, it's not it's not terrible to watch, but you're just it is it does induce a few eye rolls, I thought. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of those in both these movies. <laughs> it's true. Snake Eyes and, and Jinx have a lot of fun moments in this fight. I wasn't as happy with the Zartan Storm Shadow resolve as I wanted to be. Yeah. But there was a nice moment where Storm Shadow is about to go take out the fake president and avenge the Arashikagi clan, and Snake Eyes gives him the honor sword made of ancient carbon fiber. I don't I didn't understand that at all, but yeah, Joe saved the day. There's not really much to add to it. Yeah, I mean, we have a ceremony at the end. I I, I don't know if the GI Joe team's going to be reinstated or whatever, but. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, um, uh, General Colton, played by Bruce Willis, is supposed to be the original GI Joe. Yeah. Uh, as in the guy, GI Joe. You know the original. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I. Uh... Kind of silly. Is there anything else you want to add to this movie? Or well, you... I mean, I mean, just one more comment about uh, Bruce Willis. Um, I think is is a waste. I, I I love Bruce Willis. I think that he's nothing in this movie. Well, he's not. No, no. Um, uh, this did seem to me like nothing more than a paycheck to me. He doesn't do anything, and, and his character just isn't very well written. We're supposed to find it kind of interesting that that every panel and bit of woodwork in his house is a secret compartment that holds guns. And I just thought, oh, God, this is just a silly gag. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I, I agree, yeah. And it, was, and it was an endless gag. Like, he was, like, helping the Joes find weapons. And every nook and cranny of his house has guns. And I'm just like, God, you're kind that of a obsessive guy. Yeah, that was dumb. The only other thing I would add, actually, is um, uh, Henry Jackman did the score. And I and I just listened to it today. Yeah. And decided I really, really, really liked it. Okay. Uh, I like Henry Jackman. He did... Um, yeah, we've had him on before. Yeah, actually, he did uh, Kong Skull Island. Um, he did X-Men First Class. Just a really, really good musician who creates very, very, very good modern scores. And this one worked very well. <laughs> However, it did not strike me while I was watching it. It was only on the real, on the listening it afterwards that I really think that it was uh, solid. Okay. Probably the best element of this film. Okay, okay. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't stand out to me while I was watching it. It wasn't glaring. I wasn't like, "What's this cacophony in my ears? This discordant disaster?" I never said that. Um, right. It always seemed appropriate. And the verdict. So, as you guys will notice, if you listen to the last podcast, we were a little nicer to this film, but. It's still not a great G.I. Joe movie. If your kid wants to watch a G.I. Joe movie and you have to sit through that with them, I, this would be the one I would recommend you do that with. I would. I, I can't recommend seeing this movie unless you are a desperate G.I. Joe fan just wanting some content. But if you are that fan, you know, there's, there's a bunch of other great G.I. Joe stuff you can watch uh, or read. The comics are available, various different platforms. But I can't really, in good conscience, recommend this uh, 
to anybody. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. See the last podcast for an example of that. Yeah, uh, skip it, I guess, guys. I, I would definitely concur. Now, I will say that our conversation has brought things into focus for me because actually I hated both of these movies with such a perfect hate. <laughs> I had a difficult time picking which one was worse, but I think that our conversation helped me think through that. I I agree with you. I think this one's better. I think that it corrects some of the mistakes of the original film. I I, I like the score quite a bit. I still dislike most of the decisions it makes. Um, This movie makes enough correct decisions to place it above its predecessor. However, (laughs) this is still a terrible film. This is still a film that I found myself probably by the halfway point and all the way to the end i was still doing a lot of eye rolling i was still i was still rather impatient and and look folks max and i are gi joe fans these films should not have had to do practically anything to get us on board and as far as i'm concerned both of them failed i guess i want to say it's it's a mediocre reboot and a terrible sequel <laughs> and and in, and in the final analysis i think it comes out as a bad movie but it is better than the original. I do not recommend either one. I I concur. Um, I would I would like to echo what you said though. We were the easiest people that this film had to please, and all it needed to do was be merely competent. And it, and neither film does that. This comes a little closer to competence, but never quite fault. Never 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 quite summits that hill. Yes yes. Um, it was more successful, by the way. Well, that makes sense. Um, I mean, it's a better film. So briefly, before we go, before we move on to what we're doing next week, you've watched the trailer for Snake Eyes. I have as well. How much hope do you have for that film having now watched these based on that trailer? The the, the trailer that I've seen reminds me just a little too much of these films. Yes, I, I thought so too. I think that, I don't think that G.I. Joe action should be any more outlandish than a John Wick film in terms yeah. of action. It should, it should hew, if it's going to honor the comic book, it should hew to that level of unreality. If it's, yeah. you know, it shouldn't go beyond that. And if it's going to go crazy and every movie is going to be its own Moonraker, then it really needs to lean into that crazy. And not not dance around. But anyway, no, the trailer doesn't give me much hope. When I see Snake Eyes fighting 84 billion ninjas on top of a limo, I like that's too much. So I'm I'm worried about the film. And I like I like who they've got to play Scarlet. Uh, they've got uh, the actress from a movie Jason and I both like, which we might do on the podcast sometime. Uh, the Babysitter, which uh, is Samara Weaving, I believe. Yes. So so that's our GI Joe deep dive, guys. Two movies we've done, and we just kind of did a little bit on the trailer for Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. I might have inverted that title, but it probably won't matter because it's probably going to suck. That's it for this week, but what are we doing next week? I, I get to decide. Jason Jason led us down this this uh, heart of darkness. I'm going to choose a couple movies that I think are quite fun, uh, that I want more people to watch, and, I, and I, I don't know if Jason's ever watched them. So we are going to do another series, two films, Conan the Barbarian and Conan the the destroyer I, I i guess i kind of pre pre uh, previewed my verdict a little bit but uh there will be things to say uh but maybe jason will disagree with me and uh and we'll have a, a deep and fraught conversation all right guys share us on social media share us with your friends share us on the twitters the facebook's this the the whatever text us to your to your family to your priest to your confessor uh your sex therapist it's fine share us with everybody jason are you watching anything that people need to see loki loki i haven't i haven't got a chance to watch that yet i recently started Started. Uh, Jason's given Loki a thumbs up. I recently started watching the old G.I. Joe animated show with my son. And uh, it's been kind of fun. It's uh, not the best storytelling, but it, it's kind of nostalgic and I'm kind of enjoying that. And that's all I got, guys. All right. Bye. Like, that is some of the worst writing and some of the worst delivery of dialogue. Since the first movie. It's just... <laughs> Cobra. La, 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 la,